The title sponsor of Hunt Talk Radio is Leupold. Leupold Optics are the trusted optics of accomplished hunters and shooters. If it has a gold ring on it, you know it was built by American hands in Beaverton, Oregon. Whether it's a new rifle scope, binocular, a spotter, rangefinder, or eyewear, go to leupold.com to learn more and look for these fine Leupold products at your high-quality retailers. Hey folks, Randy Newberg here. Welcome to Leupold's Hunt Talk Radio. As I was walking, I saw something on the side. Hey folks, Randy Newberg here with another episode of Leupold's Hunt Talk Radio. Hope you're doing well today. I am sitting in a hotel room in Reno, Nevada. Uh, I'm down here for the Wild Sheep Foundation's, what they call Sheep Show. Uh, Big gathering every year here of people who are pretty fanatic about wild sheep conservation. And... uh, I'm going to go down on the floor there. They have a podcast area set up for those of us who do podcasts. And it's going to be a little noisier. So I apologize for that in advance. Uh, But I'm going to have on the podcast today three guys who represent a pretty, uh, I'll, I'll call it a common thread in wild sheep conservation. The Wild Sheep Foundation is a national group, but they have state affiliate chapters. And there is amazing work being done by all of those uh, state affiliate chapters. And today, I'm going to talk to the Montana Wild Sheep Foundation chapter and uh, some of their members, some of their people who are the ones doing the work. And when I say doing the work, what I mean is they're the ones in the legislature. They're the ones working with the state game agency. They're the ones trying to get the sheep on the ground because the motto is to put and keep sheep on the mountain. And, uh, Today, I'm going to get to meet with Ty Stubblefield, who is the executive director of Montana Wild Sheep, and then uh, Jack Atchison, who's been, I don't know, Jack's been here forever. Uh, His involvement in the state organization has been very, very lengthy, and then he's also been involved at a national level, and then Kurt Alt. Uh, retired biologist from Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, who now is one of the, I'm going to mess up his title. Uh, He's in charge of a lot of the science and research conservation aspects of that uh, at the National Wild Sheep Foundation level. Uh, But he also does a lot of volunteering. Point of all this is these state affiliate folks are pretty much all volunteers. And they have robust memberships who really put their shoulder to the wheel. And I'm hoping that when we're all done, it gives a good example of how you can be involved in conservation of wild sheep or probably any species because a lot of the groups are set up in a somewhat similar fashion. Some of them have even local chapters. By that, I mean one in your town or one in your county. Some of the groups, you know, whether it's elk or turkeys or ducks or whatever, they have thousands or hundreds, uh, in some case, thousands of chapters. So these are chances for you 
If you're interested in, well, in this case, putting more sheep on the mountain or putting more ducks in the air, more elk in the hills, more turkeys out in the woods, uh, these are the kind of groups and the kind of people who are doing that. And I hope it inspires you to think about it. Think about what you're doing with maybe your time, your interests, your passion. And is there an opportunity for you to give back? And uh, I think these guys will give a good example to that. So anyhow, appreciate y'all being here. Uh, I'm going to go down there. I got those three guys, I think. Well, <laughs> to say you, you think you got those three guys uh, coordinated, that's like, well, the, what's the old saying? Herding cats. Uh, anyhow, we'll see how it goes. Thanks for being here. All right, folks, I told you that I'm at one of the coolest places I go every year. And this is the Wild Sheep Foundation's annual sheep camp in Reno, Nevada. And you're going to hear some background noise because there's about 3,000 people walking around here telling sheep hunting stories. I don't have any sheep hunting stories to tell, but the three guys that I'm sitting with have some. And uh, here is the national uh, group of the Wild Sheep Foundation. This is their big event. But they have a lot of state chapter affiliates. Uh, I could have picked any of them. I know people who volunteer for most of those state chapter affiliates. But these three guys who are sitting here with me, I know better than anybody. Or maybe they know me better than anybody. And that, <laughs> that could be revealing. But uh, the Montana Wild Sheep Foundation chapter, uh, some of their guys are here with me. And we're going to talk about sheep. We're going to talk about it on a national level. We're going to talk about conservation. We're going to talk about Montana-specific stuff, but just know that wherever you live or wherever you hunt, there's probably issues just like this happening in your state. And know that there are state chapter affiliate volunteers doing the same stuff in those states. So you should support them wherever you hunt or wherever you live. So with that, Mr. Ty Stubblefield, is what are, what are you, Ty? You are the... Executive director, the everything, the cat herder, cat herder yeah. of yeah. Montana Wild Sheep. My official title is the executive director. Okay, that's, that's how you get to, they get you to come on, and then then you get to herd the cats. Okay, yeah, yeah. How, how how's that going? It's you're, great. You're, you, it's you've been great. at it for about a year now, right? A year, basically today. Okay. Um, I signed I, I signed on the dotted line um, on like Tuesday and flew down on Thursday <laughs> <laughs> or Wednesday. It was like, and that was this week, last year. Like being thrown yeah. right into the fire right yep. away. Yeah. Yep. Guy, guy I'm, like I'm a frequent flyer of the uh, sheep show because I've you know this is one of the best places for uh, an aspiring sheep hunter to go yeah. and try to win a hunt. It's uh, easier to win a hunt here than it is to draw one in yeah. any of the various states so and great people and good times and yeah the money supports conservation of the sheep and so yeah. I i've been coming down here for probably five years before that as a you know for fun yeah in the less than one wow so yeah appreciate you being here kurt alt Kurt, you and I have known each other. Moby Dick was a minnow back when I first <laughs> met you. Uh, <laughs> Kurt, was a long time ago. At the time I first met Kurt, he was a biologist for Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. And I'm not sure why he put up with my continual questions and ignorance, but he must have had a soft spot for me. But uh, these next two guys, Kurt and Jack, are from Butte, Butte, America. 
and they're just they don't make them like they do in Butte. Any they don't make them like that anywhere else. So, Kurt, you spent however many years, decades at Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, and now you're officially with the Wild Sheep Foundation. Yeah, I spent about 35 years with Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. Is 27 of those years was a field level biologist. Uh, started up in the in the Blackfoot and the Upper Clark Fork, and then moved to Livingston out of Yellowstone and then Bozeman for the Gallatin, the Madison, and and then I retired as the wildlife manager, the chief wildlife biologist for Region Three, and it was a good run. It was an yeah. excellent. And then I, and then I kind of got bored. And <laughs> Wild Sheep Foundation, they moved their headquarters to Bozeman, and they they approached me and said, "How would you like to uh, work with us and on a half time basis, and we'll have you do a little bit of Montana stuff, and I'll, and we'll see how that goes." And after a couple of years, they wanted me to go full time and do their international programs as well. So I'm the I'm the volunteer conservation director for Montana wild sheep, and I'm the paid conservation director for international programs and Montana for national wild sheep. So what you're saying is you flunked retirement. I did. You you got an F minus in retirement, Kurt. And I just turned 70, and people said, well, how much longer are you going to keep going? And I said, well, I don't know. (laughs) As long as Jack stays around, I might (laughs) keep going. So the, the last of our three guests, we always saved the best for last, nothing against the two of you, but Jack has been here involved your family has been involved in sheep in montana jack jack atchison from butte uh you guys have been involved in sheep for ever forever i mean it's uh wild sheep have been uh some of my earliest memories uh involved wild sheep and wild sheep hunting uh i mean i remember driving into the madison valley back in the early 1960s and that's when i discovered mountains and uh the next thing i know i'm on top of them uh, chasing these mythical beasts around and uh, I was hooked bad. So I've actually hunted bighorns in Montana uh, 59 years in a row. Wow. Never missed a beat. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm shooting for another 59. <laughs> <laughs> What's in the water over there? In you guys are, we have are, a lot of arsenic and catnip. <laughs> and, and we love it. Well, maybe that Berkeley pit is the fountain of youth. I don't know. Oh but... So uh, the, I heard a story about you, Jack. I don't know if this is true or not, that as a kid, you saved up a bunch of money and you were going to buy a pickup truck, but oh, you instead. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, that's a, that's definitely a true story. I, I'm i a, a Butte guy. I had a station wagon. And being a Butte guy and a hunter, a station wagon's not really too cool in my mind. <laughs> and, and so I was motivated to have a four-wheel drive pickup truck. So yeah. I worked every job I could find to make the money to buy it cash, cash up. I, I was ready. So I had the money in my hand. I had my vehicle picked out. And this was in the early 1970s, and in the door walks a stone sheep outer, outfitter from, <laughs> from B.C. <laughs> and, and, of course, he says, hey, I have an opening uh, for this fall, and it just happened to be the same amount of money in my pocket. <laughs> so I went sheep hunting and uh, lived with my my uh, uh, my station wagon for another year or so. Uh-huh. But... Uh, you know, I always tell people the moral of the story. That's early 1970s. The price of a new pickup truck uh-huh. it, uh, was the same price as a stone sheep hunt. We go fast forward almost 60 years later. It's still the same price. <laughs> Nothing has changed. Uh, you Gosh, just have dang. to be You're right. motivated <laughs> yeah. enough. Yeah. If you want to go stone sheep hunting, you'll find a way to do it, or right. you'll find a way to buy a new truck one way or the other. 
I think Jack is giving some marriage advice here, and he doesn't even know it. Oh, right? I know. Let's hope that's as far as he goes. <laughs> you know, I've been in this business all my life, and I've had some hunters' uh, wives, somewhat disgruntled wives, call me up on occasion. I have to admit. So. <laughs> uh, well, it, it's great to have you guys here because, especially Jack and Kurt, you know. Nothing against you, Ty, but you're the youngest guy with a headset on by about 20 years. So, <laughs> like hell. yeah. And I'm but, looking uh, at 50. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> paint, paint that picture, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> but you guys bring so much perspective, so much background to something that I think a lot of my listeners and a lot of people who hunt, we dream of sheep hunting. We dream of the places that they take us, whether it's in the lower 48 or Alaska or Canada. And there's so much that goes into where sheep are today compared to where they were. Some places they're doing better. Some places they're not doing as well as they were. And every bit of that comes down to conservation, management, and advocacy. I mean, you, yep. all three of you have been huge advocates for the cause of sheep. Yep. And Jack, you said that you hunted sheep 59 years in a row. In of your own or by help, with helping others? Uh, no, I mean, it, I mean could be, in Montana, uh, we were blessed with a, a hunting opportunity where there's uh, uh, unlimited permits. That doesn't mean there's unlimited sheep. Right. But there's unlimited permits. You can buy a, a hunting license over the counter and yeah. you can go sheep hunting. And uh, in the course of those years... Uh, there was uh, some type of uh, mechanism to go hunting. Uh, there's there's uh, conditions. If you take a sheep, you're out of the game for a few years. Right. So well, when I was out of the game, I was going with my friends or taking my wife on hunts. And, yeah. uh, so, I, but but continuously, we there was always a sheep tag somewhere in the wind. Wow. And that's pretty epic stuff. Yeah. So, fifty nine you know, years. Hmm? They're fifty nine years in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Think that, about that. That, that is. And that, I guess that's prob probably a lot of people are like, wait, how can Montana pull that off? How, how can they have unlimited sheep tags and keep that part of their management plan in today's world? That's really yeah. a unique aspect of, of Montana, having the large rams, the large permit areas where it's a guaranteed success. If you if you get a permit, you're if you hunt, you're going to get a nice ram. Yeah. Unlimited, it's just the opposite. <laughs> you, you put in, I mean, it's like people that go to the casinos and gamble all the time. I mean, you're always, people are always trying to, they buy the, you can buy the permit over the counter and then you just go hunting. But your yeah. percent success is around what, 3%, 5%, <laughs> yeah. something yeah, like that. And, but it, it's an opportunity that people love to have. And unfortunately, yeah. I mentioned earlier, I have never hunted in the unlimited areas. And yeah. the reason I never hunted, I handicapped myself. You know me well enough, Randy yeah. and Jack and Ty, is, is as the biologist in the Yellowstone, as the biologist in the Madison, I was managing responsible for those unlimited seasons. And then when I became the wildlife manager, I was still responsible. There was no way I was going to be known as the fishing game guy who killed the ram that closed any of those unlimited <laughs> seasons. So I never went hunting in an unlimited season gotcha. for that reason. It kills me, but I, I, I couldn't do it. Right. Well, and so you, what you mentioned there, we kind of skipped over because we all live there and we assume this. There's a quota yep. that each unlimited unit, once 
uh, one or two or uh, which, the, which one has the largest quota? Is there any that have a They're quota? All two. All two? It, it, yeah. it so, was the Spanish Peaks before it closed. Okay. Yeah. So there's a quota. Once it fills, it closes in 48 hours notice, right? Yep. Yep. I got that right? Yep. So when right, Kurt didn't want to be that guy who shot ram number two, and everyone's like, hey, that fishing game guy, he's got all the collar drams. He, he knows where they were. Exactly. Exactly. So, that's pretty kind of you, yeah. Kurt, to, to do it that way. But did you ever draw a sheep tag in Montana? No, I put in, I have put in, I've missed a couple years, but I've put in most every year, probably for the last 35 years. And yeah. uh, no, I haven't drawn one yet. Me either. The Hunt Talk Radio podcast is brought to you by Go Hunt. And as you know, I use that a lot, and I use it for getting tags, I use it for planning hunts, I use it for maps, I use it for the store, you name it, I use it. And everything I need is right in one place, but now they've moved a lot of it over to the app. And the most powerful thing for me is their filtering, which is on the app, where when you are on your phone, you can be in the app, do the filtering, and go right to the maps. Really cool, go check it out. If you want to sign up for Go Hunt, use promo code Randy out at GoHunt.com and they will put $50 of store credit into your account with promo code Randy. Nosler Ammunition is the official ammunition of Hunt Talk Radio and every other platform that we produce. Nosler was founded in 1948 by John Nosler. And over that time, Nosler Ammunition has proven time and again why so many hunters and shooters trust Nosler. Whether it's Nosler bullets, components, or their premium-grade ammunition, Nosler's reputation at quality shines through. We shoot exclusively Nosler E-tips, Acubons, and partitions in all of our rifles. And all of those can be found at Nosler.com or look for them at fine retailers near you. <laughs> I'm, 0 for, hey, hey. I'm 0 for 33. Yeah, me too. Me too. Six. Yeah. But, Ty, you, you, you moved to Montana, what, 10 years ago? Uh, 2015. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, close. Close. And uh, you gave up on the trying to draw a tag, and you just said, I, uh, I, I'm doing the unlimited thing. Is that right? Yeah. I, um, I was in Montana for about three or four months when somebody started talking about this unlimited stuff, and I'm like, what is this? And they're like, you can go buy a tag and go hunting for sheep. Yeah. And uh, so I've, I've, did, I've done that every single year since I moved here. Yeah. Just, just to have a sheep tag in your pocket, and, yeah. and like, that's a big deal. Right. You know, <laughs> regardless of the odds, you know. Um, yeah. So it's a special opportunity yeah. that we have. And we, we, like you said, we're the only one in the lower 48 that, that has that opportunity. Yeah. And that is what it is. It is an opportunity hunt. It is not a, in any way, shape, or form a guarantee. No. <laughs> I, I, I say the reason I haven't done it is because I've got all these points and I'd hate to, you know, miss out or whatever. Really, I'm not that tough. <laughs> I look at the country they live in and I walk up there I'm like I'm not sure I need a sheep that bad <laughs> you, you know you know he's Jack's a phenomenon because people look at Jack and you know he's not this big muscular guy no offense you know he's not big some big stuff he's not a gym rat <laughs> yeah but he has gone and even this year he didn't get a, he didn't go sheep hunting but he drew a goat he's up hunting goat rocks 
in the Tobacco Root Mountains as almost a 70-year-old man, and he was successful. This guy's an animal. This he last he doesn't year. look like it. Yeah, uh, but this <laughs> last this guy's an animal. Yeah. Did you It's a compliment, Jack. Yeah. It's a compliment. Hey, hey, your dad was kind of the same way, though, right? Oh, yeah. Hey. My dad was just a driven guy. He, never, he didn't know what the word uh, quit was, and uh, he always used to tell me all the time, you know, quit your whining. I'll tell you when you're tired. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, yeah. Well, I, I was, you know, like all of us, we, we feel blessed that there's been a lot of people in Montana that got us to where we are today. Just like whatever state you live in, it's not like this just happened. And Jack, your dad and some of his friends were, they, they were the, I don't give a damn. You know, you've missed, my grandma had this saying, you've mistaken me for someone who cares about your hurt feelings. <laughs> uh, I think that should be the slogan in Butte, but, you know, people like your dad and his friends and that generation pushed the ball forward for so many things and cheap also. And I, I try to get people to understand that that's part of this continual investment in conservation and advocacy that someone made for us. And that's why that's I do it is I want, someone did it for me. I want to do it for someone else. And yeah. I, I, I think of how many legislative things and hearings I went to yeah. that I'm, I'm this 30 year old guy taking notes, trying to see how this all works. And your dad just gets up there and is like, well, here's how, how it is. You know, we're going to sort the, the, the bullshit from the buckwheat here. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. My dad, my, his, one of his, uh, his, my quotes that I like best is, uh, Hey, we're those son of a bitches from Butte that just won't quit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've had good counsel from his, I knew his dad quite well too. And I've had good counsel from him over the years as well and and he would tell me stories some of which oh I can't repeat a couple of them on this because I'll piss a whole bunch of people off but, but he's one of those unique guys you know and yeah and uh Jack and I grew up together but our dads knew each other quite well and okay my dad wasn't in the hunting business he was in the grazing land conservation business with the forest service and and Mount Hagen Game Range, the state's largest wildlife management area. My old man was responsible on the Forest Service side, working with the department to put 120,000 acres of old Anaconda Company land in public ownership, wow. some of which um, potentially could have sheep in the future. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do, we, do you feel old listening to these guys, Ty? I freaking love it. Yeah. Like the, the, <laughs> the knowledge and history sitting right here on, on <laughs> it, just in Montana in general, but specifically yeah. in the sheep world is... Yeah. is invaluable like yeah. we need to be taking notes and right sucking yeah. all of this out of them <laughs> yeah you know i gotta tell a story on randy in front of you guys because no, oh, yes. i gotta do it oh, yes. i gotta do it i gotta no, do it yes. i gotta do it because no, you know no, randy this is talks why you've about never been on my podcast <laughs> until now no, you this promised is you wouldn't tell this story this is a good story <laughs> is randy you know when he talks about his commitment to the next generation and the next generation it's it's absolutely 100 percent accurate true people say that he lives it he's done it and it started when i was my early times of meeting randy it was the gallant land exchange yeah. and it was like again about 160,000 acres some of it sheep habitat checkerboarded across four mountain ranges in southwestern montana and 
And, and people said we needed land and water conservation money. We needed congressional action to approve this land exchange and land acquisition. And people said, oh, you'll never get a standalone bill. And so Randy was a part of the a Missouri Headwaters Fish and Game Association, the local rod and gun club. And, and I was with, working closely with them. And we had a meeting with the congressional, the congressmen weren't there, uh, the senator, but their representatives were. Max Bacchus. Oh, Senator, Max Senator Max Bacchus yeah. was and there. So, Matt, so during the course of the conversation, Randy came as close to anybody I know personally to have threatened a member of the U.S. Congress or Senate <laughs> and not go to jail. Because he stood up at one point in time and he said, if you guys don't find a way to make this happen, we'll remember and we will de-elect you in the next <laughs> election cycle. And everybody went, whoa. So when Randy says he's, he puts it all on the line for, for, for all this stuff, he does. I, I um, absolutely, I, I've told that story all over the world, Randy. I know you have, Kurt, because it's got back to me a couple of times. But I'm like, wait, I did not threaten to fire the chairman of the Senate Finance yeah. Committee. You know, I, I'm a CPA. I, I got some economic <laughs> <laughs> connection here and but the point of that was i did i was a hunter i i'd been in montana for five years and i'd taken ridiculous pay cuts to come to montana and here's the here's the background of that story my wife reads about how big sky lumber is going to close all this hunting ground that now that they bought it and here's what she says there's a hearing at the holiday inn on whatever night i want you to go down there and tell them what i'm thinking <laughs> because i didn't take these pay cuts to come here and us not have land to hunt and fish so is your wife it was my, i was uh-huh. there being a good husband <laughs> and i just sat there and listened and listened and you know the the normal groups with their paid PR, they get up and talk and talk, and I'm getting more frustrated, and I'm getting more frustrated, and finally, I can't take it anymore. I'm like, I, and my wife, when I left, she said, whatever you do, don't swear, because I come from a little logging town, right? Swearing is an art form, and she knows when I get wound up. I I can't, it it just happens. So, uh, yeah, that night, uh, but the next day, Senator Bacchus called me. And said, I want you to work with Alicia and everyone else. And Bottom line, it got done. Yeah. He, yeah. And what he told me, he said, you know, we've been holding all these meetings. Where have you hunters been? Yeah. That was a lesson to me. That was in 1993. Something was like that. that. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. The lesson to me was if we don't show up, someone else is going to grab the wheel. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. And I may not be able to grab the wheel every time, but I'm going to show up and ask for my chance to grab the wheel. And so, well, Kurt, uh, that story has been uh, hidden from this podcast (laughs) for a freaking great for a long time. But uh, you don't you don't get enough credit, Uncle Randy, for all the work that you do, because you do a lot. You do a lot behind the scenes. And, you know, you and I have spent a lot of miles walking and talking and uh if I could share some of that, I would love to, but I know you won't allow it. But, um, no. What people don't know is you you were one of the very few, quote, personalities of the hunting industry that put your money in your boots where their mouth is. And wow. we need more of that. And, uh, you know, that's why I have so much respect for you and, and love everything that you do because you do it for the right reasons. Well, I, I appreciate that. But I, I would say... I was blessed that I had a lot of good examples in Montana to follow. And I had referenced Jack's dad. 
you know, you you think about uh, Tony Shunin Sr. I mean, the list goes on and the on. The Butte guys. Yeah, the Butte guys. They all you know, Pretty oh, much. Yeah, really. You know, Paws and a few of those other ones, they were great examples. And I feel that if we're going to make hunting or keep hunting even what it was for me, we can't be sitting on our butts and complaining about it. And that's where the three of you guys are like, no, I'm not here to complain. I'm here to get something done. Exactly. And some days you only move the ball forward a yard. And some days, you know, it, it gets moved back a little bit. But sooner or later, you get that ball down the field, and that's when yep. success happens. Yep. So, yep. but uh, if we switch to uh, management in, in a few things, you know, everybody thinks Montana is this great rosy picture because we produce great big rams out in the Missouri breaks. And they don't even have to get to be 10 years old, and they can be score-wise big rams. But Montana has its share of work to, to cover. I don't know. Jack, you, you know how many, what the peak was ever of number of ram tags, limited entry ram tags? Ever? Probably would have been in the uh, late 1980s before uh, a respiratory uh, disease attacked so many of the herds. I mean, there was a lot of sheep around. As a, you know, the first wave of transplants back in the 60s and 70s, hey, it, it reaped some fruit. I mean, there was some animals really... They were just showing up everywhere where they'd been absent for for many for decades and so forth. You know, we had we had the unlimited area, which was uh, uh, these were indigenous sheep. They you know, nobody wiped them out. They're the toughest of the breed, and they just stayed. They're tenacious, and they're they're our uh, they're our strongest sheep in Montana, quite frankly. Yeah. And and they had the best habitat, and that's a big part of it. But uh, so in the 1950s, they in the mid 1950s, they opened the unlimited areas. Okay. And at that time, there was really not much else out there. The Sun River had a a, a, a sheep population in its infancy, and then they put some sheep out clear out in eastern Montana and the Chalk Buttes, uh, Blue Hills, uh, Blue Hills, yeah, and and uh, that was one of the few areas that you could apply in. You have the Sun River, really. You had the unlimited area, and you had a place clear out on the North Dakota border, and that was it. Wow. So. Uh, as as things uh, evolved with transplants, uh, uh, the sheep responded, and they did well. I mean, they really did. And uh, you know, the the biggest enemy of a of a healthy wild sheep is an unhealthy wild sheep, yeah. and and, uh, and that's really what what brought them down to this level right now. That spread. Sheep are, hey, you know, there's highly migratory animals. They, they cross the land bridge. Yeah. There's sheep from uh, Eastern Europe all the way to uh, uh, Central Mexico. I mean, they have one of the largest ranges of any certain uh, particular species in, in the world. So you've got to remember these things are, are mobile and built to move. So with that comes uh, good and, and it comes bad. Yeah. So, you know, so, so, but... Uh, uh, you know, the, it, it, and like I said earlier, it's, it's going to be dynamic and there's going to be rises and falls. If, if, if uh, there's lots of historic ranges in Montana that sheep can be moved to, yeah. uh, there's a, I mean, there's a, a whole book of uh, new chapters for recovery in other areas with uh, new collaboration uh, that's occurring right now and so forth. Yeah. So, 
Well, you know, I, and I, you know, I think, you know, I think back on it, you know, and Jack's right, you know, really, it's kind of like elk, you know, there weren't elk in eastern Montana when right. we were younger and, and, and now look, at we've got elk scattered up. But when you look at bighorn sheep, we really had, we started out with uh, what was left of the, uh, of the sheep population is the Rocky Mountain Front. South Central Montana Mountains, which is the Madison Gallatin Absorca Beartooth, and then way up north, the Ural Tweed, up in up in uh, northwestern Montana, yeah. and that was it. And and then we, but currently we're at about a little over six thousand sheep in the state of Montana. Yeah, and the only reason Montana is really able to hold on to things is the Missouri Breaks population. It's right. huge, and. I've asked the department many years ago, um, not many years ago, five or six years ago, what happens if respiratory disease yeah. takes that population out? Then you're really going to be thinking, what the hell happened? Because a lot of the big populations by that time had been had, had gone down the tubes with respiratory disease. The Highlands, yep. the uh, Quake Lake Bunch, the Anaconda Herd, yep. um, and and then and then you and then you look at what happened in the decades since. You know there was there were another set in the 90s, then the 2000s. Everything from Missoula all the way to the East Fork of the Bitterroot, and all the way back to Anaconda, the the Upper Rock Creek, the Lower Rock Creek, the the East Fork, the West Fork, Anaconda. Bonner, they all went poof yeah. in a matter of one winter, and yeah. and they've never they haven't recovered in many of these areas yet. So, so that's one of the things that I think the department was looking at. Wow, you know, you know, it's we have not done with sheep that we've done with antelope and deer and elk and all these other critters, and you know, maybe maybe we're thinking about this a little wrong. So, the Hunt Talk Radio podcast is brought to you by Mystery Ranch Backpacks. For years, I've been using Mystery Ranch packs. It might be the Metcalf or the Beartooth, the Sawtooth, or the Pintler. No matter which Mystery Ranch pack you choose, here's how you can save 10% on your purchase. Go to the Go Hunt gear shop, gohunt.com, put a Mystery Ranch pack in your cart, and when you check out using promo code RANDY, you're going to save 10% off that pack and most of the other regular priced items in your cart. Mr. Ranch backpacks. Can't beat them. Go check them out. Hunt Talk Radio is brought to you by Outdoor Class. Outdoor Class is an online learning platform that includes access to courses from some of hunting's most trusted experts. You'll find courses by my buddy Corey Jacobson, Remy Warren, me, Hank Shaw, John Barklow, Jamie Teagan, and the list is growing and growing. And here's the other cool part. My buddy Corey, who founded the University of Elk Hunting course, the popular course that is everything known about elk hunting, his course is now part of your subscription to Outdoor Class. So, all for one subscription, at one price, you get all of the Outdoor Class courses, plus Corey's University of Elk Hunting. Go to OutdoorClass.com, use promo code RANDY when you sign up, and you're going to save 20%. This will be great information for any hunter. Hunt Talk Radio is brought to you by Outdoor Class, an online learning platform that includes access to courses from some of hunting's most trusted experts. Outdoor Class now includes the University of Elk Hunting course from my buddy Corey Jacobson. All these courses in one single subscription at one price. Go to OutdoorClass.com 
and use promo code Randy to save 20% when you sign up. This is great information for any hunter at any level. Yeah. There's no, more that, to say on that. that later. And that's the picture I was hoping to paint because so many people think, oh, Montana, right? There's even a book, Land of the Giant Rams. So it leaves everybody to think, oh, everything's just wonderful in Montana. Well, you, you mentioned probably a peak in the late 80s, Jack. I, I moved to Montana in 1991, and I went back and looked at the numbers preparing for this podcast, and it was just under... Uh, 400 limited entry ram tags in the in the year I moved here, and now we're just under 200. So we're about half of the limited entry tags of what it used to be. So that tells us what it could have been, or what it could be today. And that's where the three of you and all your work and advocacy are sticking your neck out to do some things that maybe aren't unconventional or people might ask, well, what are you doing working with this group or working with that group? Or, But it's not a simple problem to solve, and it's going to come with some complicated answers. You know, this it's really interesting. The Montana, I'll tell you what, anybody listening to this from Montana, if you don't belong to the Montana Wild Sheep Foundation, you should join them because right. this board is dynamic. They are doing stuff. They, over the last five years, it's been a while, it's been a long haul, but we finally have a commitment, and the projects are starting this winter from Montana, from Montana Fish, Wild, and Parks of $8 million over the next five years on wild sheep and goats. Some goats are in there as well um, to, to actually do management actions. This isn't just research. It's, it's research and management combined, and there's two parts. One is an apt, adaptive management. They're looking at predation. They're looking at you know how to deal with predators in certain situations. Certainly, mountain lions is the main one. Yeah. Um, they're looking at um, habitat things, habitat concerns that sometimes you know that's that's the harder one to get at, but it may be the most important one. They're looking at how do they how do they establish new herds in the right way? How do they augment existing herds in the right way that doesn't bring new pathogens in? And then the other half of this the equation is is how do we key, how do we work on separation between wild and domestic sheep? A lot of people right. looking, we, we're doing MOV stuff and all that, but, but the real basic bread and butter stuff is we don't have any science behind developing on the ground practices that work with wool growers and wild sheep interests. And, and so that's for the next five years, half of that money is going to be spent with graduate students at MSU College of Egg, not wildlife, but College wow. of Egg, on this, on some of this work, there'll be over 300 GPS collars on domestic sheep and associated with high-density collars on wild sheep, and trying to really understand what what this looks like and try to develop new approaches, new programs on the ground, including maybe the use of working dogs as a part of that. Big oh. whites to to keep domestic sheep away from wild sheep in some situations. So it's a huge effort. It took a long time to get there. But the key was, how come we're not working with the wool growers? Yeah. Because there's been a constant struggle over the years. Montana, I have to say, I'm really proud of our home because Montana has tackled that. We have wool growers on our conservation committee. We are working with wool growers wherever we can. Certainly not all, but but we have conduits in and out. And, right. and it's opening the door. It it allowed us to have the first reintroduction in over 20 years in the little belts. Right. Um, it's allowing us to move forward with 8 million bucks. I mean, those are political decisions that have to be approved through process. <laughs> 
processes. Yeah. But the wool growers were a part of that, supporting us, and we're supporting them because actually through a meeting I had in D.C. that the Wild Sheep Foundation paid for, I was able to connect probably the world's leading immunologist at Montana State University College of Egg with the at that time the director of the National Institute for Food and Agriculture. It has all the the domestic disease specialists of our the best of our country in this group. Because of that, MSU is still working on grants that started a few years ago to actually look at MOV in domestic sheep. Yeah. They and they think if they can come up with because wool growers we found out when we started talking to them, you know what MOV the same disease that kills bighorn sheep it can kill domestic sheep but it also it reduces weaning weights it reduces twinning rates it's a it's a game industry changer if they can figure out a way to clean and to deal with MOV in domestic herds well guess what that's that's a rewind well. also. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, so sorry. Sorry. real quickly, MOV, tell people what it is. It's mycoplasma OV pneumonia. It's a bacterial infection that causes pneumonia. And, and, it, and, and to the best of our knowledge, we think it, it basically paralyzes the cilia. And, and so a, a, a ram What's or cilia, cilia in, the, in, the, in the esophagus that moves mucus when we cough. Yeah. We all have think, little hair things that move mucus up so we can puke right. out a, a big goober, you yeah. know, and, and so, a big brown <laughs> yeah. going on right now. Yeah. 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 And so, <laughs> and so to the, we think the way it works is it, it, it paralyzes those cilia. And so they can't clean their lungs. And so when that happens, then a lot of things happen in the lungs. Yeah. And, and oftentimes there's other bacterial agents that, that become a part of that. We've gone through pr- probably four or five different species of bacteria or viruses, but they all kind of, we think they, a lot of them result from this par- par- paralysis, not being able to clean lungs. And, yeah. and so what it does is when you have a sheep, uh, her, uh, all her die off, what you see is lingering effects of MOV because we'll have carriers that survive and they'll have a lamb and that lamb, those lambs won't survive more than through the, through the summer. Yeah. And so you have, you produce lambs, but they all, they pretty much, they die. And so the population never recovers without some sort of intervention. Yeah. So the idea is this is a domestic sheep disease Separation right now is one of our best tools, but all, a lot of this funding is trying to work on solutions because it affects both domestic yeah. and wild sheep. Yeah. Right. And then the best way to look at it, you know, Randy, is uh, the enemy is a small microscopic pathogen. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's present in, in uh, now, nowadays it's present in wild sheep and it's present in, in uh, domestic sheep. So, but that, the, the enemy is truly this pathogen and that's learning to deal with it at all levels is really uh, the, the, the way forward in our mind at this point. I mean, it, we're going to try and get to the next level by focusing on the, the real enemy here and that's a pathogen. Yeah. That yeah. affects both. That affects, that affects both. Species. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, rather than clubbing each other on the head and getting yeah. out the knives yeah. and swords, yeah. and yeah. I mean, yeah. we we have for evidence in Montana what the last thirty years has looked like by fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're at half of what we used to be in terms yeah. of yeah. cheap yeah. numbers and and ram permits. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. tell you, you're the guy who uh, a board of directors, a passionate engaged board of directors says, Ty, here's our priorities, here's our focus, get it done. Well, I'd love to to claim, you know, credit for, for it, but 
it was already in motion before I came on board. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, I'm blessed with the time to help dedicate to it, to focus everybody's energy and attention in the right direction. And my, I've been, so we started this conservation committee and Kurt started this before I came on board. This was Kurt had already got the ball rolling and I came in at the right time to look good doing it, but it was all <laughs> Kurt. Um, and, and so we managed to get this off the ground and, and we have, people like Jack who, you know, 50 years of sheep knowledge and just a, a great understanding of how, of people and yeah. how to work with people and talk to people and, and understanding to know that, you know, that we don't need a wall, we need an open table. So, um, we've, we've had our third meeting just, uh, the other day, well, the beginning of this month, we're in January now. And, um, the other the other representatives that we have in each FWP region, there's seven of them. They're retired biologists, and uh, you know they're passionate and dedicated and smart. They know how the system works. They know how to communicate with their, you know, their biologists and their regional directors. And um, we're building this relationship with wool growers. We're building this relationship with FWP, and we're bringing everybody to the table at the same time, and that's how we will get stuff done. Yeah. You know, the, you're not going to get anything done in a silo and working against each other, and so... Um, we're, the the I, silo makes a good echo chamber. It does. Yeah, you can hear yourself talk, <laughs> rattle off your own brain, but you don't get anything done. No, you know? that's it. And uh, I'm I'm so proud to be a part of this and be you know sitting next to these two guys and and everybody else that's on the committee and on our board. Um, they're just just a very passionate and intelligent group of people who are working for wild sheep conservation, bighorn sheep conservation in Montana and. Um, I, uh, our last meeting, you know, we, I've been a year into this and we really didn't put any money on the ground and we're working on putting this conservation committee together. And one of the board members asked me, are, are you, are you worried that we didn't put any money on the ground? I said, Nope, I'm worried. We're not going to have enough money for all the projects that are going to come from this. That's what I'm worried about because yeah. there, you know, between what FWP is doing that $8 million, you know, there's going to be just endless amounts of opportunity to put our boots on the ground, to put our money on the ground. And that's what I'm worried about. Like I'm, I'm thinking the other way, like we got to backfill this. And it's gonna, <laughs> we better get out the shovels and start shoveling because this wild sheep conservation in Montana is about to get real. Cool. And it's because, because these guys right here, you know, you know, Fred King, we all know Fred. Oh and yeah. Hi, Fred, Fred King, was in my office the other day. Yeah. So Fred King once told me, he said, you know, you get the right person in the right place at the right time and epic shit happens. <laughs> you know, and, and Ty is the right person in the right place at the right time to guide yeah. this organization and in terms of action. Yeah. I, I think Ty, the, the, you were, I mean, you came here from Oregon. Yeah. But there might have been like a Butte version of or in Oregon because I've I've been out in the woods with this guy on multiple trips. And when you say Butte guys don't, what your dad, Dak, your dad say, Jack? They, they, you, you're the guys that were the sons of bitches that don't know how to quit. Just don't quit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Ty's that guy also. I, I can vouch for that. So uh, that's it's this kind of leads me to to part of what I want to make sure people know is you know. I get frustrated. I, I've, I've applied for 33 years and I've never drawn a sheep tag. And I, it's like, oh, dang it. Now they're unsuccessful. But what I do know, and this is pretty simple math. If we put twice as many sheep on the mountain, 
my draw odds would be twice as good. That's right. Yep. That doesn't yep. take Einstein. I mean, so, that's so simple, even an accountant can figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Randy, and, and that's, that's our, that's, we, we did a, a strategic planning meeting last summer, and that is part of our strategic goals over the next five years is putting more, you know, that's the slogan, put more sheep on the mountain. But that is in our strategic plan is to put more hunter opportunity out there, which means more sheep. Right. And uh, that is, I mean, that is what we are working for. Yeah. yeah hey, hands I, down. I mean, people want to argue about this and, you know, competition for tags and this is a problem. That's a problem. It comes down to like, Jack, you said we have a common enemy. It's a little bug. Right. right. <laughs> well, we need to quit arguing about all these other things and realize the common goal is more sheep, more elk, whatever it is. In this case, more sheep on the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the motto of the Wild Sheep Foundation. Yeah. And, and keeping them there. That's, that's right. the other portion of it that we need to focus on. And that's really what we're trying to do in Montana is to uh, increase focus. And with focus, people become aware of it. Sheep are obscured uh, from... Uh, Awareness, basically. Right. They live in remote areas where you don't uh, drive by them on the road all the time. They're just obscure. Yeah. So by creating focus and uh, people will learn uh, need as uh, sportsmen and so forth, you know, uh, all, all eyes are on the big trophy rams. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. But the real uh, uh, portion of the population we have to pay t real attention to is the kids uh, the the uh, the lambs and the ewes. I mean, the that's really where uh, where our focus really needs to be. How do we get these nursery groups out there? They're doing well, uh, uh, and, and we can we can put more sheep on the mountain if we take care of uh, the, the habitat's the easiest thing to do. Yeah. At the end of the day, trying to help a healthy habitat leads to uh, healthy sheep populations, and a pathogen can be part of that unhealthy habitat. And 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 and, and learning how to uh, uh, to remove that from the from the uh list of threats as much as you can in reality we've got you know we've got a busy world right now it's full of people need food they people uh, occupations we can't change any of that so we have to deal with the new cards that are real and and that's uh that is a challenge but that doesn't mean we can't uh, overcome it we're gonna right. we can't let die-offs define us we have to, uh, what defines us is defining new ways forward is what we need to uh, focus on. And that's, uh, you know, the timid can stay at home in this business as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Yeah. The Hunt Talk Radio podcast is also brought to you by Mountain Tough. And I know some of you are asking me, Randy, why Mountain Tough? Well, I'm training for the biggest hunt of my life in August of 2024. And now that I'm into this, I wish I would have done this when I was 39 instead of waiting until I'm 59. I've already started the on-ramping, and I'm progressing through the Bodyweight Foundation program, and I'm feeling so much better. I'm feeling better mentally, physically. I'm accountable to myself, and I'm pretty excited about it. So if you're interested in making an investment in your health and your hunting, go out to Mountain Tough. Use promo code Randy, and when you sign up, you get 14 days to start with. They'll add another 30 days to your free trial when you use promo code Randy.
I suspect if you listen to this Hunt Talk Radio podcast, you know that we've got 15 seasons of hunting video content. And we have all of that on one great platform. That platform is Fresh Tracks Plus. At Fresh Tracks Plus, there are no ads. It's the highest quality viewing experience. It's available on mobile and smart TV and Roku and Apple TV and Amazon Fire. Your support of Fresh Tracks Plus helps us make more podcasts, more videos, and more educational content. If you want to try it out, go to freshtracks.tv and you can sign up now. Thanks for your support. You know, and that's where, you know, I come in, I, I think of what both what we're, what we're talking about now. And, you know, and I think of we have existing herds in Montana that have not recovered from the last 25, 30 years of die-offs. Yep. They have, so we have a lot of work to do there. And that big work out of with uh, Fish and Game is going to really del- delve into that. But, you know, Bob, Dr. Bob Garrett retired out of MSU, identified suitable yet unoccupied habitat for bighorn sheep in, east- in eastern two-thirds of Montana. You guys, the map is unbelievable. Yeah. But when you look at the map, what he didn't include is the issue of, 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 of domestic and wild sheep. Right. And so with the work we're doing with the wool growers and maybe trying to find some solutions in a couple of different ways, not just to the bug, but also to the transmission issue that could happen with other bugs that come along, we think... We think we have two options, two, two ways, two paths we're following simultaneously. We want to restore those herds that haven't recovered, and we want to create new herds, yeah. both of which add to our sheep hunting opportunity. Yeah. Well, and that's where the beauty of the model that uh, the wild sheep has is you have these state chapters because the issues that we're dealing with in Montana have different landscapes, different politics, different history than say Nevada or New Mexico or Arizona. And so the beauty of empowering all of you and you guys grabbing the reins to say, hey, this is Montana. This is, this is what we know. This is our history. It, it's not an application of, well, this is how we do it everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, what's really interesting is the biologists and the, and the chapters are all talking across the spectrum. The, our chapters from Canada and the, and the U.S. and the biologists from Canada and the U.S. are sh- talking, sharing information. And what they've done in, in Idaho is, is found a way to clean, to remove MOV or remove it to the point where the population can take off again, the House Canyon group. Well, we're taking that technology, that science... And we're going to work on the Butte herd, the Highlands herd. And this is the beginning of an intensive five-year effort, part of the eight million bucks, to actually try to restore one of Montana's past premier herds. So. Right. Yeah. So, Ty, how, how can, uh, if I'm a listener and I'm passionate about, whether you live in Montana or don't live in Montana, but you're passionate about sheep or sheep hunting, what, what can you ask them to do? I, well, I, I I tell them write a check first of all, if you can. Yeah, I mean conservation takes takes money, and you know, and there's that big saying that hunting is conservation. Though, I I I take that one step farther, and I think that actually doing things is conservation, not yeah. just hunting. Um, right. But getting involved, join join an organization, join Montana Wild Sheep Foundation, and uh, you know we send out newsletters and um we send out we have a an email newsletter and we have a 
print newsletter. So we're always sending out information on what we're working on. But uh, recently, there's been a lot of opportunity to volunteer, and there will be more and more throughout the course of the winter and the spring and summer. Yeah. Um, and to actually get your hands on sheep. Right. Um, so those are kind of specific to, to our membership. But you can join, you can write a check, you can come to our banquet, which is February 23rd and 24th in Missoula, Montana. February um, 23rd, 24th yep. of 2024, Missoula, yeah. Montana, Hilton Garden Inn. Yep. All right. Yeah. Tickets Same. are going fast because I went and got my ticket the other day. And I just, it, we're, all, we're well over halfway sold out. And yeah. We've only been selling for a little over a month. Yeah. And so we got a little over a month left. Um, we'll, will be sold out. So if you do want to come, you better get on it. Yeah. But, uh, but the cool part about that is, you know, it, it's, it's a fundraiser. It's a banquet. There's lots of awesome auction items and raffle prizes and stuff. But we take that one step farther, talk about odds of hunting sheep. We give away a, a doll sheep hunt to, to our life members. And so yep. if, you, if you join as a life member and are at the banquet, one lucky life member is going to win that yeah. sheep hunt with Ovis Outfitters in yeah. Alaska. Um, but it's getting involved, you know. We'll just beat this drum until we're dead. But right. put your money and your feet and your hands where your mouth is. Yeah. Like, get involved. Be active. And let me add to the banquet and the, the, the event in February is oh, yeah. is not only do you get to have a lot of fun, a lot of guys and win some cool stuff and drink a lot of beer and stuff. <laughs> that's, that's the beer part <laughs> on, on saturday morning is the uh, while she found montana while she foundation is that's where they bring what's going on to the table yeah. and if you want to know what's going on in montana with wildlife management restoration efforts of bighorn sheep you come to those seminars. We'll have the department leadership there. FWP, FWP by departments, Fish, yeah. Wildlife, and Parks, like all the head leads on these projects. They'll, they'll be there. Yeah. And so if you want to know really what's going on that in one morning, crash course, you'll be there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I, I hope people do that. You know, my job, I'll be your pitch man, Ty. If you aren't a life member of the Wild Sheep Foundation, the Montana chapter, or even the national group, well, you should be if you can afford it. Uh, it's ours is cheap. It's, it is going up, but our right now our life member is 500 bucks. What? Yeah. You can't even afford the postage for that. I know it's, <laughs> but, it's cheap. Yeah. Well, at that price, someone ought to buy it for themselves and two other people. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Jack's buying mine this year. He told me that. Really? <laughs> no. No, We're I, all life members. Yeah. And so am I. But the, the point of that is I, I was saying conservation uh, there's there's a couple things. Well, someone told me this is Randy. He calls it the three T's. You have talent, you have time, or you have treasure. And if you aren't giving some of that back to conservation, you're taking more than you're giving back. And there uh, there's nobody who has all three of them. I, I've yet to run into anyone who has a lot of money, a lot of time, and a lot of talent. They might have one or two. I, I'm, I'm, my wife would say, I don't think he's got any. <laughs> but, uh, but whatever we have for the yeah. things that we love, for the things that we sometimes feel is worthy of complaining about the status quo or something else, we need to rechannel that and look at what we have for talent, what we have for time or what we have for money and put that to that cause because 
the board of you got you your board and Ty is the executive director. I see you guys at the Capitol in Helena. I see you guys doing the things that make a difference. And most of the listeners are like, I don't want to get involved in that politics. Well, politics and policy come from the same root word. You aren't going to have policies that affect the future of wild sheep in a positive way without being involved in the politics. I, I wish it was different, but that's reality. And so I hope people listening, whatever state they live in, uh, think about that and do what they can for the, the cause of wild sheep in their state. And you know what? You're never too old to get involved. So no. I retired. I already had a career. And the only reason I'm back working is my friend Jack <laughs> is the one that brought me back. And, and, and so you're never too old. I might add this. And you're never irrelevant unless you choose to not exactly. show up. Yep. And I have to add one story about Jack and I. So we do some of the international stuff with national, and so does Jack. He's the chair of the National International Conservation Committee for Wild Sheep. We're in a country in Central Asia. I shall not name any name. (laughs) And we're sitting at a table in our suits and ties, which I only have one of. Jack has many. (laughs) And we're talking to the ministers. And all of a sudden, I start... We're actually negotiating with the top leadership in one of these Central Asian countries. And I started giggling, and Jack looks over and he says, what are you giggling about, Kurt? And I said, can you imagine what our Butte friends would think, that two Butte guys are sitting here in this Central Asian country negotiating with people in their government that we don't even have access to in our own government? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's because of hard work, progress, passion, and dedication. And that the future of wild sheep... You know, I look at this building. They asked me to give the keynote address here a couple of years ago. And I, one thing I said is the future of wild sheep is in this building right here. And there's no one coming to the rescue. It's us. Yeah. And I was surprised how many people came up afterward. That's what I wanted to hear. That, I'm like, okay. But uh, that, it, it is true. Are you? I, I ask everybody who, you know, whether it's sheep or whatever species, are you part of that solution? Are you part of that future? Because we're it. You know, you, you, you aren't going to get the, you know, whatever disinterested group just come and, hey, we're, we're going to push forth the cause of wild sheep in the West or in Montana or wherever else. It's us. And if we'd love it, that's why guys like you are doing what you do. And I know there's a lot of the listeners who want to do the same thing. So that's why I asked you, Ty, how can people get involved? I've been involved where the helicopters go get the sheep off the mountain and bring them back. It looks like they put them in gunny sacks. And I, I mean, with my binoculars, I'm looking at the mugger, the, the guy who jumps off and, and kind of ties them up. I'm like, whatever that guy's getting paid, it's not enough. Because <laughs> they were doing this, the one I was on, they were doing it in January in the Gallatin Canyon. And it was, I think, 15 below that day. And this guy's out there jumping out of a helicopter next to, you know, pretty much a cliff where the cheap got chased up to. And then all of us are down there doing the easy work, you know, holding up the scale or whatever, you know, <laughs> holding the sheep down so the biologists can swab them and whatever. But it was a ton of fun. Yeah, I, I would say that hands-on experience really gave me an insight to what the Wild Sheep Foundation, the Montana Wild Sheep Foundation does. Yep. It was, it was really, really interesting. And, yeah, uh, we, we have a couple of those going on right now. Um, they're, they're working on the schedule, but 
you know, we, we reached out to our members to volunteer. So you literally get to put your hands on sheep yeah. and, uh, you know, there's, we've had some fence removal projects that help, um, for sheep, sheep and elk and deer that, that migrate. Um, so, and there'll be a ton more of that come out. I mean, I, I'm hoping we can keep up. Like I said earlier, <laughs> I'm hoping we can keep up, but it's a good problem to have, you know, but yeah, you know, that's fun stuff. Like that's getting your hands dirty and it's, it's making, you know, it will make a difference. Yeah. But I, Jack said something earlier. Uh, you said something earlier before we started recording, um, uh, about, uh, like this is a small piece of time. And the only thing that is con- constant is change. You said it better than I did, Jack, but you know, you, you said that this is this sheep management and the sheep, the sheep populations. And we're just here for this little bit of time. And what we're seeing right now, you know, 10 years from now is not going to be the same. Well, it's, and, yep. and that comes from your wisdom. Well, of it, 50 it, years it, of, it'll be whatever <laughs> it is, but we're going to be trying uh, our damnedest to make, uh, uh, you know, inroads on more sheep and keep after it. And, and, uh, and you know, uh, I welcome people to come along for the ride. So yeah. I, I, I'm 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 going to rush home on Sunday because I'm going to go help with a sheep capture over in the Greenhorns on Monday. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not going back to work. I'm going doing the real stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I love it. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah. I always have said, and this comes from 35 years of sometimes making mistakes, as Kurt would say, threatening to fire a U.S. senator or whatever. <laughs> uh, but I've kind of, at the times when I've maybe felt a little down or I've felt that progress wasn't being made, I've I've sought advice from people who'd been in those battles, been in those fights, and made progress eventually. And I've come down to the three things that advocacy includes. One, it's never easy. If it was easy, they'd call it golf. <laughs> There's nothing going to be easy about putting more sheep on the mountain. So you just accept that, just like the people before us did. When you talk about Jack, they were only out on the the front range in the Rocky Mountain front. That was hard work for volunteers and this organization and FWP to go out and get those sheep to where they were in the 90s. That wasn't easy. The other part, it's always uncomfortable. Someone's going to be pissed. It might even be your brother. It might be a coworker. It might be the neighbor. When you advocate for a cause, someone else has a different view on that. And they're probably going to give you an earful. But you know what? That, that's how, how progress gets made. Is you, you let the, the discomfort be what it is, and you keep your eye on where you're going. And the last one is it's always inconvenient. There's never a time where we know... Oh, three years from now on March 24th, we're going to have an opportunity to do this. Or, yeah, next Saturday, there's going to be this threat that shows up. No, we don't get to put conservation and advocacy on our calendar. It shows up. And if you don't accept those, you're probably going to be frustrated. But the people who are really successful in making a change, making a difference, accept those three realities. And you can look at example after example in Montana about what if the guys, I don't care if it's the stream access law, if whatever it might be, you know, using sheep. What if they would have said, you know, I'm just too busy. Or, you know, there's a guy down the street. He's not happy that we're moving sheep out there to the Missouri breaks. I, I give up. 
you know, or I, I just don't have time. I, you know, that, that's what I think about and how I put it in, in my view of this is why I got to do it because someone else did that and I've been the beneficiary of it. And if this window of time Jack talks about, you know, things go up and down and whatever it is, when that when when my window of time closes, I want to know I've done what I could, and I've I've tried to give more back than than I've taken, and I have received so much from hunting. Hunting defines my life. It defines my family. It defines my friendship and my communities. I got to give. I got to do what I can. And everybody, that's that's a different size piece of pie for everybody but that's what's going to put more sheep yep. on the mountain and, and a lot of people i agree i think there's an, a, a perspective too sometimes that well that wildlife belongs to the state agency no wildlife belongs to all of us they're right. your animals they're your wildlife don't ever forget that yeah and that's that's where we are today. I mean, imagine how bleak we'd would we have much interest in Montana wild sheep if the herds were still back to those places you mentioned, Jack? No, unlikely. Yeah, we, no. we, we wouldn't have you know passionate people showing up in Missoula on February twenty third and twenty fourth, raising money, drinking some some of Kurt's Butte beer, <laughs> <laughs> because they love these things. They 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 have an inherent attachment to natural things and natural places and wild places, and sheep are a huge part of that. Yep. And so, well, sheep sheep are the animal that everybody aspires to hunt. Right. Like that it is the, the lack of better term like the apex of a, a hunter's dreams and some people or most of us aren't didn't make the wise choices that jack did when we were young and yeah, we, we bought, bought a, a new pickup, pickup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so to actually attain attain to be a, a sheep hunter you're you know you got to get the luck of the draw you know right. and but that luck gets better when there's more sheep and the yeah. more of us that get together to help put more sheep on the mountain, there's odds are all our odds are going to get better. Yeah. So yeah, it's, well, I, know. I know all of you guys, I know your other board members, you know, I run into Brian and a bunch of them when I'm up in, in Helena uh, at the legislature. And I am really optimistic about where the future of wild sheep is in Montana. I, I people might look at it and try to assess, oh, well, you know, I didn't draw a tag or, you know, they only give away so many tags. Knowing what you guys are doing, how hard you've been working and laying a, a, a foundation and a blueprint for a path forward, I would bet if we sit 10 years from now and have this conversation and Jack talks about hunting sheep 69 years in a row, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll be talking about things that you guys have got done at Montana Wild Sheep that have made a huge difference. And I just appreciate you guys for doing it. Appreciate you guys being on the podcast. I appreciate you guys letting me in this building. You know, it's like, I show up to some of these events. I'm like, I wonder if they're going to let me in. I paid for registration, but no, but no, thanks so much guys. I, the cause of wild sheep in Montana. Yep. Is, well, we, we got the gift to be sitting here BSing about it, but our board, um, they're all volunteers, yep. um, and most of them are here this they weekend, are. and they're volunteering their, their time. Yep, and they're they're the ones that should get the credit for putting Montana wild sheep where they're at today and yep. uh, making making us, you know, putting on, on this path of 
trajectory of success that we're going to see. And uh, those guys deserve the credit for this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, folks, if you love wild sheep, if you want to hunt wild sheep, I strongly suggest you seek out whatever state affiliate and the national group of the wild sheep foundation and do what you can to support them. Because like I said, we're the only ones here where there, there's no one coming to our rescue <laughs> and we're going to make it work. And, to, and it's time to finally get wild sheep on the true restoration bandwagon that our other species have been on for 30 years. Yeah. Yep. Agree. Yeah. yeah. Well, folks, Thanks, I'm going to let Randy. you guys go. Yeah. Hey, everybody's walking by here. Jack, you got to be the most popular person in this place. <laughs> well, I, uh, sometimes I need to go hide a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Jack is sitting here and he's facing where the, all the people are walking by. And Jack's too nice to ignore anybody. So he's he's been getting his uh, his exercises in, waving, raising his hand and waving to everybody who stops and waves uh, to him. Well, but, I, it's, it's from giving people sheep fever. And, and, and there's no cure other than to go shining sheep. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely the well truth. Said. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. Okay. Really appreciate you being here. Brandy, <laughs> thank you for being a voice for yeah, yeah. the little guy. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Happy to do it. When you grow up in a trailer house in Big Falls, Minnesota, in a logging family, you're a little guy. <laughs> I, I, I can relate to what Butte was probably like. Because Big Falls couldn't, I mean, Big Falls was a much smaller version of it. We didn't have yeah. Evil Knievel or any of the... Or Awful uh, Knoffel. Yeah, we didn't have any of that. But, oh, we had a guy in town. He had a little Honda 90 trail bike. Back when Evil Knievel was popular, he called himself Abel Knievel because his last name was Knievel. And Alan is hearing this, I'm sure. And Alan's going to be, Randy, you're ratting me out. I think you should do a series of your upbringing. <laughs> like oh. a whole... Uh, <laughs> Ty got to film last year with my Uncle Larry. My Uncle Larry's 77. He's fought cancer now for the last 15 years. But he he's demonstrated to me that once you reach a certain age, you don't have to have any inhibitions. You can say what you want. And it's <laughs> everyone thinks it's funny. Oh, the, the old guy said that. So Ty got to hear a lot of my family stories. And if he ever lets those out to the public... <laughs> I'm probably going to, all the platforms I've built are probably going down in a big pile. But, oh, so amazing. Oh, but. Anyhow, oh, thanks so much, guys. Okay. Have a great thanks, show. Thanks, okay. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye. When the sun came